It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. You know, it's been so different for me because I grew up doing the offshore stuff with him. So like when I took a liking to the more of the inshore stuff, it was a big change kind of, you know, you're more you're more isolated, you know, you're not talking on the radio. You're not, you really don't want to talk to anybody. At least I don't, I try not to talk to as many people as I can, but, uh, you know, it's, it seems like it's more isolated and you're kind of on your own, you know? Um, I've been lucky enough to have some buddies that have helped me out in sending business, but it seems like you kind of have to find your, your own path. And, uh, it's, it, it was good to grow up around that too. Cause you can, you learn a lot of people skills with the offshore stuff. You know, you're dealing with, with six people instead of one or two. Right. So that, that was cool to learn, but it's definitely changed. Um, I've noticed there's a lot more center consoles running around now, you know, uh, it, it seems like the, the fleet of boats is definitely changing just the way the style of fishing and everything's so moving so fast now. This is the Tom Rowland Podcast. Fascinating stories to amaze, encourage, and inspire you in fishing, fitness, and the outdoors. And we're brought to you by Black Rifle Coffee. I started this podcast as a way to connect with my friends, people that I admire and respect, and you. It has been a learning journey that's made me a better person, a better fisherman, a better father, and a better athlete. I'm so happy that you're on this journey with me, and I'd love to hear from you with show suggestions, guest suggestions, or questions. The best way to get a hold of me is through text. You can text 305-930-7346 for the fastest response, but if you prefer to email, you can send that to podcast at saltwaterexperience.com. That's a dedicated email address just for the show. If you like this show, you can show your support by posting about it on social media and tagging me. Text the link to a couple of friends that may also enjoy it and subscribe and leave a five-star review if you feel like I've earned it. The website is TomRollandPodcast.com, and that is where everything lives. All past shows, you can go and listen to any show. You can look up all the different shows that we've done, both the How To Tuesdays, the Full Links, and the Physical Fridays. They all live on TomRollandPodcast.com, and the social media is Tom underscore Roland, R-O-W-L-A-N-D, on Instagram, or you can go to our big account, saltwater underscore experience. I hope to hear from you soon. So now let's get on to today's show. I'm Polly Ross, and this is the Tom Rowland Podcast. 
Eating better is easy with Factors' delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, which is the one I like, and Keto. Get started today and get after your goals. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 and use the code waypointpod50 to get 50% off. That's waypointpod50 at factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 to get 50% off. All right, Paul, what's up, man? Oh, not much. How I'm, about you? I'm real happy to have you on here. I've been wanting to talk yeah, to you for a while. Yeah, um, for sure. How's fishing? It's good. I've been up at school a lot, so have I'm you trying to knock that out so I can fish this next couple of weeks, this next coming week. So yeah. So tell <laughs> me about that. How what's the what's the process of going to school and being a fishing guide? Burn a lot of gas on both ends. <laughs> uh, a lot of gas, a lot of miles. Uh, drive up there. Right now, it's on a Tuesday morning. Go to class Tuesday go to class Wednesday, go to class Thursday, and then come home that night and fish Friday through Monday. So it's, it's good. I'd rather be doing that than, than being stuck up there. So, yeah. And so what are you studying in school? Entrepreneurship, just to kind of enhance my skills for being a fishing guide, you know, just really, yeah. Um, they had an entrepreneurship program, uh, where my son goes to college and he got into that program at Montana State. It was really uh-huh. good. What what do they teach you in entrepreneurship? I mean, that's kind of a new major. They didn't have that yeah, when I was going it, to school. Yeah, it was it was new there like right when I started going and um I was going to do business management and I switched over to entrepreneurship. My advisor kind of told me it would be worth a try and they kind of teach you how to start a business and then it's a lot of it's oriented towards like creating a product. So like they kind of teach you the steps of, you know, being creative and finding ways to innovate products and stuff like that. But they also, it's, it's pretty good. Cause they teach you how um, there's a lot of different aspects of it, like marketing. Like I've learned how to market a business like online through Facebook ads and in Google and stuff like that. I'm still, still got some stuff to learn, but um, it's pretty diverse in the amount of ways they kind of teach you how to run a business and, and make it better. So have you been able to apply any of that to your guiding business already? For sure. Yeah. Um, I'm going to, I'm working on a website so I can kind of build my own website the way I want it. And it, I think the biggest thing is it's kind of, uh, it's, it's kind of taught me to think outside the box more like in doing whatever I'm doing in maybe a little bit different of a way than, than what other people are doing. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, well, you come from an interesting perspective. You're second generation. So you've been, yeah. you've been around the guiding business your entire life. You've seen what your dad's been doing. And uh, I mean, honestly, even in the last 10 years, it is a completely different world. When you, when you throw social media and you throw websites yeah. and, and everything, podcasts and videos and YouTube and everything, you throw all of that into the mix. And, you know, the way that I started, the way your dad built his business is somewhat applicable, but not 
Exactly. Like, it's not like you can yeah. do what exactly what you saw him do. Right. So yeah, what do you not see? holding up fish at the dock. You know, <laughs> yeah. Put them on the up. nail and, and yeah. having the tourists walk down. I mean, that was yep. that was a major source of of business. So what do you mm-hmm. see as the biggest things that have changed, in your opinion, as a second generation kind of coming up? Um, it's, you know, it's been so different for me cause I grew up doing the offshore stuff with him. So like when I took a liking to the more of the inshore stuff, it was a big change kind of, you know, you're more, you're more isolated, you know, mm-hmm. you're not talking on the radio. You're not, you really don't want to talk to anybody. At least I don't, I try not to talk to as many people as I can, but, uh, you know, it's, it seems like it's more isolated and you're kind of on your own, you know, um, I've been lucky enough to have some buddies that have helped me out in sending business, but seems like you kind of have to find your, your own path. And, uh, it's, it, it was good to grow up around that too. Cause you can, you learn a lot of people skills with the offshore stuff. You know, you're dealing with, with six people instead of one or two. Right. So that, that was cool to learn, but it's definitely changed. Um, I've noticed there's a lot more center consoles running around now, you know, uh, it seems like the the fleet of boats is definitely changing just the way the style of fishing and everything's so moving so fast now it seems like you know yeah there have been some major innovations i mean in in outboard technology and boat technology i mean the boats that are available now were they they weren't available i mean a big boat when i started guiding was a was a 28 whitewater that was like that was like a big boat yeah. you know uh-huh. and and now that's like doesn't even doesn't even raise an eyebrow i mean you're yeah, looking it's at, crazy. at at you know, 42s and other things, people are, are guiding out of those boats. It's, it's incredible. It's changed the game much more fuel economy or much more fuel capacity, much more range speed. Yeah, people are running hun- hundreds of miles, you know, it's, it's incredible, like, man. So yeah. when you have, um, the, the offshore background like that, and that's what your, that's what your dad has done so successfully for a long time. What was the draw for the inshore for you? I think, I, I think the mystery of it, you know, like I, that was initially what drew me to it. I'd never, we went, we would go into the bat out back, you know, occasionally and, and fish some stuff, but you know, I'd always hear about it. And I grew up fishing around my grandma's on foot a lot, you know, for bonefish and little tarp and stuff like that. So I kind of had an idea of it, but as soon as I got a skiff and I could go back there, it was like open up a whole new world. You know, I think, I think the hunt and being by yourself and not looking at other boats all day, I think that's the coolest part of it. Yeah. Well, you're obviously doing a really good job with it. Um, we had a great time fishing with you, uh, doing the show and we yeah, didn't have the best fun. weather, but, no. uh, <laughs> you know, that's, that's the test, you know, of, of, of a guide is, and especially when you're, when you're doing it with a TV show, that is, um, it's not ideal. I mean, you're carrying no. another boat, you got another boat following you around. You have to, yeah. you know, you, you get a shot pretty quickly and you have to, everybody's telling you, no, you can't catch that fish. You got to wait. Well, that's the only fish we've seen in hours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're sitting there teasing them. You know? <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, um, it's, it is a different deal, uh, shooting the TV show and everything moves incredibly slowly, but you did a great job with that. And, um, I just found it kind of interesting, just your, your whole story, how you're going to college and, and, uh, and guiding, you know, through, throughout, I mean, you started, um, right away when you were in college, did you, when, when did you start guiding before college or went right college? out of high school when I was 18? So before, and then I went to college the next fall. So, you know, I kind of always planned on doing it this way, but I didn't know how it was going to unfold. Yeah. So it, it kind of took a year or so to figure out how to balance it. 
you know, going from high school where you can kind of just snake your way through everything. And then now it's time. And when you go to college, it's time to actually do the work. It's, it took some adapting, but now I kind of got it figured out. So yeah, well, it's, um, I mean, there's tremendous respect that you are, are finishing because when you, I mean, you obviously have, have built a reputation enough to where you could book a full schedule right, right now. And so you're looking at, do I go to school? Do I just take this job full time? <laughs> so how did you, I mean, like what, 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 why did you do that? What was the incentive to going back to school? Because I got to tell you, man, I don't think I would have done that. I, I think I would have just it, said. I, I didn't really want to do it at first. Uh, you know, my, my parents and, and a lot of other people kind of encouraged me and told me that it would be worth it in the long run. Cause you never know where you'll end up. And, um, I, it, it was hard until I could talk myself into doing it, you know, cause you can kind of do things when people are telling you to do it, but to an extent. And then I think around like my spring semester, my freshman year, I kind of told myself, you know, I've gone this far, I've gone a year. So it's like, why would I waste a year? Let's just go the rest of the way and, and get through it. So, and I have learned a lot, you know, now that I've actually kind of found interest, the first two years was a little, little more boring because you're just getting your general education stuff out of the way. But now that it's applying to the major, it's, you know, you're learning valuable information. Certainly valuable information. But when you're talking about, like they're talking about innovating a product and doing things better, can you kind of in your mind um, create your hospitality, your guide service as that product and then start, is that kind of where you're thinking yeah, about yeah, outside yeah. of the I've box? actually, and I've actually taken some hospitality classes as electives and those, those have honestly been, I'm taking one right now. I was thinking about it the other day. That's probably been one of the more useful classes I've taken in the last couple of years was the hospitality. Cause it reminds you that, you know, you're providing a service Rather than, you know, getting angry at the fishing and the guy not making the right cast, you have to remind yourself that of the service you're providing. And I, I kind of, that kind of instilled that thought into my mind. And I feel like I've, I've been a better guy because of that class. This. Oh, you froze up just for a second, but um, yeah, that's, so that's just a straight up, just they just call it hospitality 101 or what it's it's intro to hospitality so that's just kind of the basics but you know everything it's more like hotels and stuff with mm -hmm. services and but it you know in my mind as he's saying all these things i'm applying it to what i'm doing and it's really useful right because you know i mean there are a lot of days where you know the fishing the weather the whatever doesn't really allow for no. um you know the the best the best fishing and the best fishing guides that i know are really good entertainers as well. Yeah. I mean, they, you know, they also can catch fish as well as, as, as any of them, but there's plenty of people that never enter a tournament that never, um, you know, are competitive at all. And they have a book of business that would never go fishing with anyone else because they love that person so much. And that person yeah. understands that what they do is, there's, there's a little showmanship to it. There's a little entertaining. There's a little bit of, of, uh, making sure that everybody's having a good time. And some people, yeah. some people miss that and they can be the best fishing guide. They can catch the most fish, but nobody wants to fish with them because they're screaming at their clients and they're, they're, they, <laughs> yeah. you know, they're the old no, I, I, keys guy. I hear the horror attitude. stories all the time, you know, like people, and, and it's funny, like it sticks in people's heads. Like they'll come back they'll, they'll tell the stories, you know, sometimes. And, and, uh, I try, try to learn from 
other people's mistakes sometimes and just kind of take what you can get from hearing those kind of things, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, so how much more school do you have? Um, I got two more semesters just to finish up. I, I'm pretty much done with my major. I just have some electives I have to take. I've, it's been tough cause I've been trying to balance the work and school things. So I've been taking like four, four classes a semester. So it's kind of set me a couple semesters back. So I'm just kind of catching up. Um, but as soon as I'm done, I'm going to try and go in full time and book as many days as I can, you know, and you got to be in a great position. So many kids are coming out of school with debt. You're coming out of school having worked. Like yeah. A ton. feel very lucky. That's a, that's and, a really good position. Yeah. So what yeah, are, sure. what are your plans? You're going to go full-time into guiding and, and what does that look like for you? Um, just kind of carrying on what I've built through the last couple of years with the people that I fished with and then hopefully meet a lot of new new people. I've been lucky enough to have some really cool people I fished with. So, you know, um, I have a lot of days built up over the summer months. So now it's kind of just working on the wintertime stuff whenever those people can come down. And now it's giving me the opportunity to, to meet a lot new, a lot of new people too. Um, this year it's tough cause like everybody's dates rolled over to this year. So it's right. I've got kind of a crammed schedule, so I don't get to take in as many new people as the year prior or the year before that. But, um, I'm excited to, to be able to have more time to take in some more, uh, some newer clientele. Yeah. That's awesome, man. So one of the things that you've also done, um, pretty, pretty extensively, and you can just see in the background of your, of, of, of what we're looking at here, there's a big check on the wall and a giant <laughs> dolphin. So you got a pretty extensive tournament resume too. Um, how do the tournaments play into your future plans or, or what you're, you know, how, how important do you think that is to a guide that's starting out to be in the tournaments? I think for sure it, it helps, you know, it, it get, whether you're doing good or not, you get to meet a lot of new people, a lot of really good anglers. Um, I met a, a lot of really cool people at some of those events and, and if you do do well, um, it obviously spreads, but, um, I guess it depends on, on your style of fishing and what your book looks like, but I, I, it's pretty important in my head. It's all I think about, you know, on the, any day I'm fishing is, you know, if I find something good, um, I kind of just keep it in mind, uh, for the next tournament. But, um, I guess it just depends. Cause I've got some buddies that, that aren't as into it and they do really well. And I've got some buddies that are really into it and they do really well too. So I guess it just depends on, uh, your intensity with it. Cause it's, you know, it seems like you got to give it your all. Well, yeah. Yeah. That's what I was going to say is like, tournament fishing is not something that you go halfway into or, or certainly no. you're not going to be very successful with it because yeah. and and maybe there was a time when you could just kind of uh fish a tournament or two a year but i think that the 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 landscape has gotten so competitive and there's so many people that are basically keeping those tournaments in mind all year long like what you're talking <laughs> about that that somebody that just kind of decides they're just going to dabble in a in a tournament i'm not sure that they're going to do as well as maybe they might think because no. And I think the important part too, is building a, a team as guide and angler too. Cause if you don't have that team, you're not, I don't, I don't think it's as easy. You, I have a harder time enjoying my time in a tournament. If you're not in, in sync with the guy on the bow, like if the guy on the bow is, is having to think about when he's going to get the next shot and he's not really worrying about, 
his own skills, you know, it, it kind of tweaks you out as a guide. Like if, if he's looking back at you, you know, it just, if, if you have the guy on the bow that, you know, you fished a bunch and you're not thinking about all the things that you would think about if you hadn't fished before, like mm. that would stress you out. If that makes sense. You're, you're only worried about finding that next fish and you know, the guy on the bow is going to get it done. Yeah. seems yeah. like you, uh, you, you know, the Florida keys tournament history, probably as well as anybody you grew up around it. You're watching it all the time. What do you think? Who do you think are some of the best teams that, that you've seen guide angler teams? When you talk about that, like what, who stands out in your mind is like, man, those guys are hard to beat. Lately it's, uh, Richard Black and Rob Prees. I mean, every tournament that, or, or, uh, Richard and Bocor. I mean, if those guys are in a tournament and anybody, <laughs> you know, or Richard <laughs> and the, you know, Richard, yeah. Richard's well, I mean, an amazing lately, guy. That's, um, that's been the team that's, you know, you're not surprised when you come back and they got a full score sheet. Um, after years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan, for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash waypoint. That's mintmobile.com slash waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash waypoint. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Uh, you know, Jared Raskob, he, he did really good a couple of years back and, and he doesn't fish as many tournaments now, but it's like, if he fishes a tournament, he's going to win, you know, it's like, it's crazy. Um, you know, you pretty much know going into it who you have to worry about, but sometimes people will surprise you. Um, ha, but do lately, you ever see, do you ever see surprises where you see a great angler and a great guide get put together and they don't do as well as, as maybe you might've thought? Um, I can't think of any examples of that, but yeah, I mean, if you think a lot of people think it's guaranteed if a, if, if a great angler and a great guide or two guides get together in a tournament, but you know, in the end it's just fishing and if you don't get the opportunities that you need, it's not going to work out. Two guides fishing together does not always mean they're going to win. If you ask me, sometimes you butt heads. I know know? that's what I'm saying is like, you can, you can fish really well. Two guides can fish really well together and it can be a a, a superhero team, or it can be like, I think we should go over there. I think we should go over there. And so you don't go to either place or it messes up the plan altogether. And, and, you know, two, two alphas on the boat might not, might not be the best team. Like I was no. going to ask you, like, what do you think the recipe is for the best, for the best team? Fishing, fishing a lot with somebody who's obviously a good angler, but like, I, I have some guys that I fish with quite a bit. Um, and you know, you, you might 
the first couple of days you fish might be rough. Like when you first start off, you might not be as productive, but it seems like it comes down to, I mean, anybody who fishes tournaments or as a guide would know. I mean, like the guy on your bow is eight o'clock or 10 o'clock is going to be completely different from your 10 o'clock for the first six days you fish with them, you know, or 30 feet or a hundred feet. Like, um, so it seems like the more you fish with somebody, the closer your, your idea or your, your gauge of, of your clock and your, your distance narrows down it. And that I feel like makes a big difference because, you know, how long do you get, you know, if you're bone fishing or any, any kind of fish, how long do you get from the time you see the fish to where the bait needs to be in front of them? I mean, you, you need to react in, in a half a second. You really do. And, and that's where, what you're talking about is like, if you're just on the same page and you're like left, you know, I mean, I had some anglers that I wouldn't even have to call out the, 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 time i would just say left or right or or 11 you know 11 o'clock or whatever but we were just on the same page like what you're talking about they just knew where i was looking and they would they would know that i'm not calling out i'm not gonna you know call out something with with a lot of um anxiety back here at (laughs) at, at eight o'clock he's over there yeah it's it's like it's like left 10 o'clock left 30 feet, go, go, go. And they, and they just know where it is, you know, and you, I, yeah. you find that with some people where, where just right away you kind of click and you're kind of looking in the same spots. And then with other people, man, it is, it is more of a struggle and it's like, yeah. okay, is it my communication skills or is it his, his understanding of what I'm trying to say, which probably boils down to the communication skills, but yeah, um, that's, that's where, you know, I think some teams are just going to be better than others. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. And and it might take, it seems like it takes a couple of years to figure out who, who you're going to really blend with. That's why I'm kind of like, you know, I want to fish with as many people as possible to see who, who's going to be the best uh, teammate for that kind of stuff, you know, kind of mm-hmm. feel around and, and eventually find somebody who, who you can be in sync with. Right. And then you can be in sync with that person and something changes in their life. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe they get a divorce. Maybe their kids leave, uh, they even go to college or something changes in their life. And all of a sudden they can't fish as much as they used to, or all of a sudden the tournaments aren't as important to them as they used to be. And, and that chapter closes and you got to find a new one, you know, you yeah. got to find somebody else that wants to. Well, that's what's cool about it, I guess, you know, you yeah. don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, one of the things that I wanted to talk about, and I'm going to try to do it here. Um, put, put your Instagram on, on the screen here. And you uh-huh. probably can't, you probably can't see what I'm doing, but everybody else can. So the last couple of posts that you had on your Instagram are pretty incredible. Like you don't post a lot on your Instagram, but you have one of the, my favorite Instagrams. And one of them is this Goliath grouper. Um, deal. Oh yeah. The top water bike. Yeah. It's the coolest video. Uh, well, not, you, not many people post. I try to post some odd stuff like that every now and then, you know, I think there's a CUDA eating the, my most views are the CUDA eating the tube on there. Well, yeah, that's an incredible, that's an incredible, um, video. And I actually saved it because I, you know, I talk about Barracuda fishing a lot and, and, uh, that was a perfect video. I'll, I'll see if I can pull it up. It was a perfect video to show like what a Barracuda wants and and ha- and how you have to have it because you just start kind of twitching it 
and he comes yeah. up and just puts his nose on it and yeah. he won't do it. And then you make another cast and rip it through there and he eats it like that's the only no, thing he wanted. clear what that fish wanted. Yeah. And, and that's how it has to be like all the way to the rod tip. Um, like that's what I'm always telling people when we're doing that is you reel that thing all the way to the rod tip. And it's like they see the boat as something that this needlefish or this lure is going to get away from. And so if you slow it down at all next to the boat, they, they would all need it. And this, this video that you have is just a, a perfect example of that. How you're yeah, twitching my girlfriend it like a took that. She was like eating lunch on the cooler and I was fishing. It wasn't, it didn't even really mean to be that cool of a video. It just ended up being, well, you know, you couldn't have done it any better. That one was perfect. But the one that, um, that I started talking about was this, this Goliath grouper where you're, you're kind of pitching a pilchard to the mangroves, I guess it's a pilchard and, uh, oh, it's a shrimp. And, um, and this Goliath grouper just comes up and just, you're stuck in the bushes and uh and, and you just kind of raise it up or whoever's fishing just kind of raises it up and this goliath grouper comes and sucks it right off the surface and then pulls the line out of the yeah he had eaten like two or three of our shrimp before then so that's that's when i pulled out the phone he was a little fired up that thing that's that is awesome that is a that is such a cool video so if you're not following um paul Paul, it's like underscore. Is it double double underscore? I think it's two two or three underscores. So it's not the most. You just look friend. up Paul Ross, and and you're probably um you'll probably get it. But I do suggest that you follow this Instagram because, <laughs> uh, not only this one, but what we're really going to talk about is your your well. I I got to talk about this bluefin tuna too that you that you had here. Tell me about catching a bluefin tuna is that the only oh, that one was the first cool. one that you've ever caught yeah i've never i'd never caught one i was first time i'd gone up north uh my dad's buddy brett wilson runs a boat up there um out of uh cape cod and we planned on it last year and it didn't work out because of covid and then we went up that up there this year and we the coolest part was catching bait the first day yeah we uh we went and caught, i thought we were gonna catch those tinker mackerels or whatever we put out these lures dragging them on top we're catching like eight 10 pound blue fish for bait really off the beach there yeah <laughs> and that's what yeah, you're that's using what for the, the that's yeah, what you're using thing, and when the guy would pull it out of the live well he'd be like wrestling it on the ground like i mean the things <laughs> the blue fish were like 36 inches long and we did fish some mackerels and uh some dead baits but yeah that thing ate ate a uh ate a blue fish it didn't fight the first 20 minutes thought it was a shark really it just like not even not pulling not gaining just dead weight like, huh. just sat there it was so like you didn't see up. it you didn't see it eat it no and then it came up came up like maybe 30 minutes in and then it it was weird it was like it was hooked in the mouth but it was like wrapped up under his pack mm. fin or something so we went down and just did circles around the boat for like an hour and 30 minutes after that but it what was did cool you think fight. about with all the fishing that you've done what did you think about the bluefin tuna as a that was the coolest thing ever it wasn't even like a fish it was like an animal it was like <laughs> harvesting a cow or something you know like <laughs> i i don't do much hunting but that was closer to harvesting like a wild animal out of on land than than a fish it was so so disproportionate to anything I've seen. It was really cool. I think we're, we're going to plan on going back up there. It was so, that was the only bite we had. It was a slow, a slow couple of days when we were fishing, but we were lucky enough to catch that. I mean, that, that was definitely the most amazing thing I've ever seen on the water. Now, where, where do you go out of to do something like that? Where's your dad? Out of uh, Provincetown. I think the, we were fishing. Canada like, or is that in the States? No, it was in Cape Cod, Massachusetts. Okay. Oh, Cape Cod. Okay. Yeah. 
yeah, so that, it was cool seeing, you know, the lighthouses and stuff like that. It was, I've always wanted to go up there. So it was cool. Yeah. And then Cold. I guess like when I, when I was asking if it was in the, if, in, in the United States or, or Canada, cause I guess that Prince William sound is like, that's supposed to be. The, yeah. Yeah. I know Nova Scotia has got like thousand pounders or something up there, but, yeah. and, and you know what the cool part was that fish was only like a hundred feet of water. Really? It, it was like, yeah. Like fishing two miles from the shore. You could see the dock where we're fishing. That's incredible. Well, it looks like yeah. a really big fish. I don't know how big a thousand pounder was around, look, but you're, eight, you look tiny. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was a big fish. That's awesome. So that's pretty cool. I definitely wanted to, to ask you about that, but then, um, this latest post, the super slam on fly by yourself. Yeah, that was that was a little bit of luck involved in that one. Well, I want to I want to know about it because I don't know that I don't know that you could do anything more difficult. No, like, I'm not trying it again. <laughs> <laughs> so, what tell me tell me how it happened. It, I didn't mean to do it. I it was like uh I don't know, on a Friday or something. I came home from class late. I didn't leave the dock till like 10 o'clock. And I just went out by myself. I I don't know if there was a tournament, I think I was just looking for stuff, you know, finding new stuff. And I slowed down in the first area. I caught a permit on a crab and I, I, I don't ever fly fish for permit or anything. And, uh, I was like, oh, I'll just, you know, I'll tie a permit fly on. I'm, what am I going to do? I had maybe, I think, you know, what too, the crabs were so big. It kind of, mm. I had a better chance of plopping yeah. the little tiny fly I was slicked off. <clears throat> so I tied permit fly on, went back in there, immediately had a shot. And then I think, or no, I didn't even have a shot. I, I threw a false cast in there to strip my line of the boat. And one came up off the bottom and charged it. And I pulled it back out of the water. I'm like, all right. So I, I go in maybe another 30 yards and then there's one just floating. And I plopped it on his tail. Terrible cast. I guess it wasn't. And thing spun around. I let the fly sink and just stripped tight to him. And he was there. I caught, caught the permit. I didn't think much of it besides how, you know, I was happy I caught a permit on fly or whatever, but like, oh, I'll go see, go see if I can catch a tarpon. So I went in, shut down, pulled maybe hundred feet. There's tarpon laying there, caught him. I was like, all right, now I got to go bone fishing. And I was up way up in Key Largo. And so, um, caught a bone fish, maybe 45 minutes in, there's a big mud of them and, uh, caught one of those. And it was like maybe one 30 or so or two o'clock. So it was like, I, I didn't have anything going on. It's like, all right, I'll run to Flamingo. Cause the only person who had ever done that supposedly, uh, was Jared Raskob prior to that. Um, Jared and, um, an angler of his did it like maybe five years ago. Um, super slam fly. on fly. Yeah. That was the only other person I'd known that had done that. Um, so ran to Flamingo and there was a bunch of schools of reds around. It was pretty easy to just shut down and started pushing big wake, caught one of those. And the snook was the, it, it always, for me with super slams, it always comes down to the snook. Cause it's like, usually it's late in the day. And like, if you catch one right away, it's whatever. But, um, I had to go on a, you know, the water was high. I had to go on a shoreline. Just, I put a split shot on the fly and blind cast that thing for like 150 casts and call one. <laughs> and, uh, that was that it was so what time it, it did you finish that up? 4.30. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah, it was like 4, 4.35 or something. I caught the snook. Well, the, the reds and snook was, they were like 30 minutes apart, 40 minutes apart. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible for a number of reasons. One, one, we're, we're so fortunate to have the, the fishery that we do 
so oh, close 100%. to one another, right? Like, I, I don't, I, I wouldn't want to fish anywhere else just because of that. Like you can go, you catch a, a sail or a tuna in the morning and you run back and go bone fishing. Or if you don't want to go bone fishing, you go snooker red fishing. You, know, it's, you can't right. do that anywhere else in the world. It's unbelievable. And it's incredible, it but that's, that's really awesome. But then, you know, to, to get it with a, you know, a guide and an angler getting a super slam, that's, that's pretty awesome. And I know that you've done that a number of times. How many times have you done that? On fly? No, I've, I've caught maybe half a dozen, not on fly, you know, mixed, you know, mm -hmm. a couple on spin, a couple on fly. That was the only one I've ever done on fly. And then what about just a, a slam, a permanent bonefish and tarpon? Slams 20 something, yeah. but you know, there's guys hundreds. Well, you know? yeah. I mean, but of course, but you're, you're a very young man. <laughs> yeah. There's only well, so much time. I mean, yes, Mark yeah. Croca, Mark Croca has yeah. hundreds Croca's of slams. Croca's got like over well, 800 or something. Yeah. I know. Yeah. He's, uh, he's also quite a bit older than you. Um, yeah. but you're, you're, you're getting, uh, an impressive, uh, number of them, but to th this one, a super slam. So a permanent tarp and a bonefish, a redfish and a snook that comply that comprises the super slam and you do it on fly, which is, which is definitely makes it harder. Um, but then by yourself on fly. So by yourself with a spinning rod, and by yourself with a with a with a fly rod, two totally different things in my book. Um, I think, and maybe you have, and I want to talk to you about it. Like maybe you have a technique, but I used to do a lot of fly fishing. I tried to catch a permit on fly by myself for a, a year, and it it's was terrible. incredibly <laughs> difficult. I mean, you finally get the perfect situation, you get the perfect shot. And you try to get off the polling tower and get down and somehow you trip over something and you make noise. And next thing you know, the fly lines under the boat and everything under the sun can go wrong. Where if the you have a spinning rod, you know, you can have it with you on the tower and you don't have yeah. to get down. And that makes all the difference in the world. But what do you think the hardest part about fly fishing in a skiff by yourself is? Oh, getting, getting from the polling platform to the, to the bow of the boat, which luckily that day, I had, I had a trolling motor. That was, I mean, I don't, I couldn't have done it without a troll. Just the fact, the way my boat sits, like if you're by yourself, it's so light on the bow, like it, that there's so much hull slap. Mm -hmm. You just, you have to put like buckets of water on the bow. That's what we used it. to do. We used to fill the cooler yeah. full of, uh, that was Simon Becker told me that. I was like, man, I can't get close to these fish because I'm just making too much noise. And he's like, oh, you put the cooler up on the bow and you fill it full of salt water. Yeah. And I was like, oh yeah, that puts about 200 pounds up there. Yeah. That made a, no, for made sure. a huge difference. No, that day uh, I caught, I think three, I caught the, the permit, the bone, no, just the permit of the bone was the trolling motor. The rest of it was either pushing, you know, cause it was calm and you could kind of, but I, I wouldn't have called the permit without the trolling motor was on such a low setting. If you have it on a higher setting, you might know more than I would, but it seems like if you have it on a higher setting with those things, they can, they can feel that vibration. For sure. Yeah, it, it definitely, I mean, if you have it on low and you just creep up to them, you can get yeah. very close to them. You had a bow mount trolling motor. Yeah. Yeah, but still, there's still a major obstacle there. If the line gets outside of the boat, now the trolling oh, it was motor wrapped, chews it, it was up. wrapped right here around the around the remote. It was like double wrapped. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's just so many things that can go wrong in that situation. When I read that post, yeah. I was like, "Holy shit!" He did this by himself on fly. Yeah, like 
Did you have, do you have a, um, like a line tamer or like a bucket or anything yeah. that you were keeping the line in? What do you do for the I line? I don't normally? think I had it that day. I don't, so I, with a lot of people, I don't really like using it because I feel like they worry more about putting in the bucket than catching the fish in right. front of them sometimes. Yeah. But I don't think I had it that day because it was, it was pretty calm. I think I was just stripping in the boat, but a lot of times when I'm fishing by myself, I'll use the bucket just because if you're polling, you can have it in there laying and the, the line's not wrapped yes. around your phone or your right. cooler or whatever. Yeah. But that makes it. Yeah. I, I think I just had it laying in the deck. Now, <laughs> but the it worst still, idea, it wrapped around. Yeah. The, <laughs> the worst idea is that, that I had is trying to keep it all up on the tower with you. And now it's all oh, around yeah. the engine, you know, tarpon, it, tarpon fishing. Yeah. I find myself trying to do that. I'll, that's when I really use the bucket. If you're sitting on the ocean or something by yourself, that's a nightmare without a bucket. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, and, and then to land a fish like that, just by yourself, it just, the, the, the difficulty it's already, it's already hard to do. And it's already hard to go do with a professional guide behind you. That's perfectly positioning the boat and telling you exactly what to do. It's a difficult thing to do. Then when you, then you try to do it by yourself, even if you're doing it with a spinning rod, it's very difficult to do. Your bait dies. Now you got to get down off the tower. You got to put yeah. bait on. I mean, the whole thing is no, just terrible. And you're drifting the whole time. And and then to to put a fly rod in that situation with sixty feet of line out in the boat, man. I don't know. I I just thought that what you did was one of the best angling accomplishments I've ever I've ever read no, or heard I appreciate about. It. Well, there's there's a lot of days I go out there and don't catch anything. Well, so. sure. But <laughs> it just happened. To, yeah. But it was, it was really cool. And it, you know what? It's funny when, when you see it all unfold, the way it happens, it doesn't seem like anything. It, 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 it doesn't seem as crazy, but it definitely probably the best thing I'll ever do personally as an angler, you know, well, besides maybe, the bluefin. maybe, yeah. You might well, go out there and double slam one day. Yeah. Uh, you like, never know like that, because I mean, when you're putting in the days, I mean, I'd like to get your opinion on this, but, you know, like my son um, this year killed his first elk with a bow and awesome. he's been trying for five years. Right. And it was, it was a, when, when this is all unfolding, I'm, I'm, I'm with him and, and I've been with him three or four times elk hunting. And, but this time was a little bit different and things were happening. I was like, this, this is going to happen this year. Like we, we got into them and I was like, this is, this is going to happen. But when you haven't ever done that, it's hard to see it unfold. Like it's hard to see what's going to happen. And it just kept me going back to this time when I came to the Florida Keys and I was getting my captain's license. I spent a year on the water and I just decided I wanted to catch a permit by myself on fly. And I just put a lot of time into that. And it was horribly unsuccessful and horribly (laughs) frustrating. And, you know, I would get the best shot and then it's hooked around the freaking steering wheel and there's nobody there to help you. And there's, it just was so difficult and then finally it happens and when it did happen there was nothing to it it just yeah it just happened exactly like everybody said it was going to happen it just happened exactly like i hoped it would happen but i had never seen it happen and yeah and like that's what happened with this elk elk hunting situation of all of a sudden everything finally came together and we just we just did it it just it just happened. And when it happened, my son was like, I can't believe how fast that happened. I can't believe all of this. Right. And so that's kind of what you're describing of, well, this super slam on flat, it, 
just kind of happened. Like yeah. just caught this fish and then I caught this fish and I went over here and they were there and, and, and it's like this unfolding, but I don't think that ever happens. Or if you're capable of, if you would ever be capable of capitalizing on that, if you hadn't put in your time and you haven't yeah. seen all of these things happen and you haven't had all these terrible mishaps of all hundred uh, percent. Like, what do you think about, about nah, that? You can't, I mean, if you were going to, if you're going to go out there and that was your only day ever going out there, but you better play the lottery, you know, like there's no way, but yeah, I mean, you just learn like even going by yourself, you might go one time and I feel like the, the stress level is absolutely zero when you're by yourself. Cause even not that it's stressful fishing with a buddy or anything, but like, you know, they're not questioning what's going on. You don't feel like you have to keep them entertained. You know, nobody's walking around the boat, making noise. It's only what you want to do. So I feel like in every time you go, you might learn a better way to be more effective at doing it by yourself. You know, whether it's the bucket thing or checking where your fly lines at before you get back up on the platform or maybe pushing from the bow if you can, or what, whatever that is. But for sure, I mean, it's, it's definitely a chain of events that leads up to that kind of success. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. When you're, um, now that you're, you're, you know, you're booking more and more and more days and, you know, you're, you develop quite a reputation, you, you're winning tournaments, you're doing things like this. Lots of people want to go fishing with you. How do you feel about the lack of days by yourself? Like when I was first starting fish by myself a bunch, and then you should get booked a bunch. And then you're like, man, I haven't fished by myself in a year or more. Yeah. And so how do you feel about that? Like, it seems like you kind of like fishing by yourself. I, I do. Yeah. I, well, so many of my buddies now are so busy, you know, they either got kids or they're working or doing whatever. So I don't really, a lot of times I don't really have an option, you know? Um, but it, it is nice. I enjoy it. Um, I find that you definitely have a lot more time to think when you're by yourself, you don't have anything else to do. Um, but yeah, I enjoy it. Um, I think in the future, I'm going to try and a lot of my older buddies that are, you know, they've kind of learned more now because they've been fishing, you know, 10 years more than I have They're They've got it figured out now They they've kind of told, told me ahead of time to take more time off. Um, so I'm going to try and split it up, you know, maybe take two days off a week or one day, maybe start with one day, um, and try and take some time off, whether that's to do you know, fun stuff, fishing or go do something else. Definitely have to have time to clean the boat every now and then. I find that the more, the more days in a row I fish, the quicker my boat wash gets at the end of the day. Yeah. So that's definitely one thing that needs to be addressed to on a day off. But, um, well, you also yeah, have I, I to think, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, you go ahead. Yeah. Well, there's also working on the business. And, and making sure that, you know, like if you're in the middle of tarpon season, you got the next 120 days booked in a row. It's hard to think about, man, I really need to be thinking about next winter and what I need to do to make sure that I'm booked all the time yeah. then. And that's what, 
I, I certainly wasn't thinking about it, but I didn't, you, we didn't have the opportunities for the marketing that you're learning about in school. Like our marketing was you win a fishing tournament or you're the last one at the, at the boat ramp, you know, like yeah. people see your truck there all the time and they're like, no, that guy's <laughs> fishing a lot, you know? Yeah. And it was almost the, it was almost the opposite. Like the more you fished and the, the, the less you answered your phone, the uh, more 100%. in demand you were because I'm, I'm like, so bad. If I fish, like, you know, if I'm fishing a bunch of days in a row in the spring or summer, it's like the last thing I want to do it this time of night is, you know, six 30 at night, seven 30 at night is text a paragraph back about what, <laughs> what you want to do in December, you know? <laughs> yeah. But it's super important. Like oh, to, I, I, mean, I, I do it, but it's, I get bad. I'm bad about it. Sometimes it's like, I'll have to, you know, maybe somebody's text sends and then I go a day without responding. And then I have to go back and text the 10 other people that message me, you know, and try and knock it all out. But it's a bad problem sometimes. Yeah. But you are learning in, in, in school. I mean, I would imagine that a lot of the things that you're learning in those classes could be applicable to, you know, building a business and, and keeping it sustainable and making sure that you're, you're, you're taking care of. It. And that's where, that's where a lot of, you know, taking a day off a week or, or something to where at least you can put an hour, two hours into it to make sure that, I don't know, you don't have to do it anymore. You probably take Venmo and everything else, but, um, we had to deposit the checks and there wasn't any, yeah. take a picture of it on your phone. It's like, you got to go to the bank. What a drag yeah. it was to go to the bank and deposit all this money. That Make sounds sure like such a first up. world problem, but the checks yeah. are all wet. And then you got to call the dude to call, to send you another check because it's all yeah. tattered and wet and they won't take Find it, it, it on the driver's seat or your feeders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because you're just working so much, man. Yeah. Um, well, that's cool. Well, you're, you're, uh, that, I'm, I'm glad you told me that story. I wanted to hear that so bad about, about just how that happened. Um, yeah. What do you think about uh, just the difficulty of either a regular slam or a super slam? What do you think, like it, somebody that doesn't understand kind of what that's all about, what makes either of those difficult in your opinion? Oof. Um, it's almost like the the way I look at it is it, – it's almost like it's a payoff to the amount of days that you don't get one. Like, and there's, I have some people I fished with that, like, we'll do it a lot, but you know, there's so many days that it just doesn't work out. So like when you finally do get one, it's almost like the end of the road for that batch of days, you finally got it. And then now you're worried about the next one. Cause yeah, there's just some days you can't, you know, you might have high water, no sun and you're trying to bone fish or you know, whatever the case may be, even the tarpon, you know, there's so many days where you might not catch a tarpon in the morning. It's slicked off and you get all excited and you want to go bone fishing or permit fishing. Um, it, it seems like it's just time. Like the more time you put into it, eventually it's going to happen. And when it finally does, it's just so exciting. Mm -hmm. and, and just the fact that it's the only place in the world you can catch all five. I think that's to be able to do it. It, it takes so much time, but when you finally do do it, you, it makes you realize what a special place this really is, you know? Yeah. So in your mind, is it, is that always in the back of your mind? Like, is there a possibility, say you catch a bonefish and a tarpon in the morning and you're kind of like, Hmm. Yeah. We got, time. yeah. I, I, if, if it's that kind of day, there's some days, you know, people just want to go, you know, catch dinner. We go trout snapper fishing. It depends on the people. If, if like, you know, Obviously, if we're we're doing it, you know, we're in the hunt 
we, we got a tarpon and a permit, then you're, you're going to go bone fish until the sun goes down. But, um, yeah, it just depends. Like there's some days you you can kind of feel the people out. If it's not that much of a priority to them and you feel like you could make their day better doing something else, then I might just go do something else rather than kind of forcing them into that zone. But see, that's um, the hospitality right there. That's, yeah, exactly, that's the hospitality yeah. where, where one guy might be like, Nope, Nope. You're, you're three quarters of the way there and we're, we're yeah. doing this. And they're yeah, like, in the well, end it's really their day, you know? <laughs> so it's, it's tough. I, I, I have the urge sometimes, but most people, if they understand what it is and, and they want to go for it, then for sure. But yeah, I, th- I think it just depends on the day. <laughs> There's also the time management of just, yeah. at some point you just run out of time, you know? Yeah. And energy. <laughs> well, yeah, there's definitely energy. Uh, you're probably have plenty of energy. The angler a lot of times runs out of energy and is like, man, yeah. I just kind of want to go home. I really yeah. don't care about catching this, um, the rest of it. But, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, what else I saw recently was, was your dad's video of the great white. Oh, that wasn't that crazy. Man, what did he have to say about that? Not much. <laughs> I mean, I damn, that's he, like the best video I've I've ever seen. I know. Well, the, I think that's like going back to the thing. If you saw, he was freaking out. But like, I think if you would have seen it in person, it was just the way it was. But when you like, I mean, that's one of the few times I've looked at a great white and been like, wow, that thing's huge. And that that fish in the video is like a fifteen pound kingfish. It wasn't like a little mullet. Yeah. You know? like a whole 15 you could tell it was a big a, a pretty big fish um, with like a the, 14-0 in its mouth and it looks like he's got a 2-0 in his nose yeah and then they they kind of were jigging it almost like a like yeah, a yeah. like a jerk bait and then that great white yeah. actually looked like it missed it like i mean it did it miss did. it it came up and maybe it was kind of a half-hearted attempt at 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 getting it but that was one of the best videos that i've ever seen of that in the florida keys because kind of like your kind of like your barracuda video that we talked about yeah. it just happened to be perfect because yeah. the light was perfect i've seen some other ones um where i saw this one it, the guy went live on facebook i think and there was a great white that went around all around bag, right? yeah it went all yeah, around it but it was that. like in the glare and you could kind of barely see it and then then yeah. it would come into this area and it would be really good and you're like oh that definitely is a great white but then it yeah. would come back to the other side just see, keep circling the boat but your dad's video this thing comes in at in the perfect light, you couldn't have asked for it to come in in a better place. And just with no. a cell phone, you're able to get this incredible yeah. footage and it tries to eat that, that kingfish. Um, man, I just, I thought that was so cool. And no, then, I think it was a mean predator there. Yeah. A monster. Did, did he learn anything about that? Like, has that fish been tagged? Is there, do I, we know I anything about that? We'll look at the shark tracker app and like, just, you know, when you're bored, scroll through it yeah. and see where, yeah wherever whatever shark is and i don't think it was tagged um it looked like it was full of seals that's for sure i mean that thing had a giant girth it on it was incredibly round yeah it was giant um i don't know i i don't know if it was going to the gulf to spawn or whatever i don't he doesn't know too much about him he, he, but he sees like you know a couple a year and usually they don't bite or even try to bite they just keep swimming but um that one was not happy i guess yeah or hungry um, yeah. But, yeah. Not you know, hungry, not happy. Either. Yeah. There's, there, there was always people that would say, you know, they thought they saw one, but until they started tagging them and it became like really obvious that they were coming through the keys regularly. I mean, they're there. 
they're they're yeah. totally there and i think yeah. that i think that everybody understands that now but for a while you know you see this big giant shark and you're kind of like wow i don't know what that was like, <laughs> you know just call it call it jaws yeah <laughs> i don't know what it was but it was something big um yeah you know there's i, I always i don't know they're 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 big i've never really seen one so i'm fascinated no i haven't either i mean in the the video is enough for me to think of, you know, next time I'm lobster and I'll be thinking about <laughs> what's, what's watching me. Yeah. And that thing was in 400 feet of water, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was not, not, not far from town. That's yeah. for sure. I mean, 400 feet of water that you can, you can make out buildings. Like, yeah. You're looking at buildings. Far. No. Like, yep. You're like, Oh, look, there's, there's the, there's downtown. There's the Lorelei. There's, yeah. there's, you know, that hotel, whatever. Well, who knows, who knows how many come in closer than that? You know, I'm sure, the, the I'm sure some do. I'm sure some do. Who knows? I don't know. I don't ever see many sharks when I'm lobstering or anything like that. They're they're around and you see them occasionally, but not not like that much. No, I can't help but to just think about it. You know, like yeah, I'm not not that I think I'm going to get bit, but like whenever I'm in the water, I'm kind of looking around, seeing. <laughs> Are you as comfortable in the water or out of the water? Some fishermen don't like getting no, in the water. No, I don't like the water. I got buddies <laughs> that spear wahoos and this stuff. Like I don't like the water. I I'll get in for lobsters and stuff like that, but if there's any kind of muddiness to it, I'm not getting in. I drop a rod in the a phone, rod, anything goes in the water, I'm not getting it. Yeah. Well, you, you know, that's been the case with a lot of my friends too, is the more time they spend on the boat, the less time they want to spend in the water. And uh, because they've seen, you know, a lot of things get bit out there. I mean, I get the push pull ripped out of my hand probably at, at least 10 times a year, maybe 15. I mean, from angry sharks. There in that dirty park water. Yeah. Big bowls <laughs> or lemons. Yeah. Even the clean water. I played with one the other day out around like channel banks or something. I poked one in the nose and he came up and ate the pole, ripped it right out of my hand, like 150 pound lemon. You ever have him eat your trolling motor? I've had him charge it. I haven't had one rip it out of the, I had a bullshit. I've seen videos. Rip it off the front of my boat one time. And it it had, uh, there were bite marks all over the, the thing. The blade is spinning. And hitting him in the face as he's eating this thing. And it's not doing, I've seen, you know, you always hear these people, they're like, oh, just punch him in the nose. Well, yeah. I watched a, I watched him eat a motor guide trolling motor on high, and he didn't yeah. seem to care at all that the thing was smashing him in the nose no. repeatedly. It probably made of times. him even more hungry. I mean, the thing's probably had four turtles and a cormorant in his stomach. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I have a lot of respect for the sharks, but other people, you know, they don't like, like you got your buddies that spear the wahoo. I got my friends that do the same thing. They go out there and you throw pilchards on top of them and they're, they're laying in the chum slick and they're just waiting. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not, uh, I'm not as into that as, no, as they are for sure. I don't even like if we're camping out of the Cape or something, you know, East Cape, Middle Cape, I won't even get past my knees in that water. Well, like, I mean, the boat. But that's, that's a lot different than swimming around well, yeah. and, no, uh, on the reef, you know, where it's yeah. perfectly no, clear. Well, it's funny. Like we'll be out there. I got one of my buddies that he, he goes Wahoo spearfishing maybe two or three times a week this time year. And if we're lobstering in the summertime, you know, around the bridges, he's, he's just as creeped out as I am. I feel like the close quarter thing when you're, mm-hmm. you can't see as far away, it's something, something different to it. For sure. Yeah. I don't like doing it around the bridges. No, but there are a lot of lobsters no. there. There are, <laughs> there are a lot of, you gotta lobsters. do what you gotta do. 
Yeah. So um, <clears throat> I want to just kind of bring this to a, to a close. I appreciate all your time, but I want to ask you a couple of questions. So outside of fishing, what, what do you like to do? Like, obviously you don't like to get in the water that much. No, I, <laughs> fishing, fishing is about it for me. I, I don't never really did many sports or anything. Uh, right now it's just school. And when I'm not doing that, it's thinking about what I'm going to fish for the next day and try to force myself to tie flies or leaders or whatever that is. But that's pretty much it. Just fish, a lot of fishing. Right on. I like it. Um, okay. So you you have, um, non-negotiables in, in life. And I started asking people this question recently because I've gotten some pretty interesting answers and I, and I thought maybe I might turn this into a regular thing, but it'll be interesting to see what you have to say. So a non-negotiable is something like you wake up in the morning and before your head hits the pillow that night to go to sleep, you are going to either get this done or there's no way you're ever going to do that, whatever it might be. So do you have any non-negotiables in your life that you think about on a daily basis? Um, I don't know. I feel like when I'm going to bed, I always feel like I'm not going to wake up because my alarm clock's not going to go off or something <laughs> in the morning. But, uh, I don't know. I, I try to like in a routine, I try to think about, I think my biggest thing before I go to bed is trying to think about where I'm going to fish the next day. But a lot of that doesn't really come to your idling out of the channel and you can kind of see what's going on. But I don't know. I'd have to, I'd have to think about that. I don't. What about on a charter? Like you got a charter and are there things that, that you are absolutely going to do or you are not ever going to? Do? I think, I think making them laugh is one of the first, like, you know, try and get to know the person and get them in a good mood is like on the ride. Sometimes the ride out, it's quiet in the morning, but try to keep people entertained all day long and try to make people laugh. Cause most of the time people make me laugh more than I'm not very funny, but most of the time <laughs> the people will make me laugh more than, but it, it makes the day more enjoyable. I think getting the people in the good mood is probably one of my main priorities besides figuring out where I'm going to fish. Okay. And some people, some people you can't break, you know, some people are just lame, but <laughs> Do you think they're lame or they're nervous? No, most people are never nervous. I, I'm not, not that I get a lot of lame people, but some people are just like, they'll be on like a, a business. They, they'll just be on a business trip or something and they don't really, they're not that interested in it, but mo mostly everybody I fish has been great. It's, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, you, uh, <clears throat> you're going to have a lot more coming your way, I'm sure. Um, but you always, you know, like that, that would be one of the, the questions that I got the most, like, I bet you fish with a lot of assholes. And I was like, no, you really not don't. Really, I, I've never, no, I've, I have zero people I've ever had any kind of problem with. Everybody's been really good. You know, some people you like more than others, but you know, it's, it's, it's surprising. I think the offshore stuff deals with it more, you know, you get a bunch of guys walking back from their big night, you know, they're showing up to the dock, no sleep. They my got dad a case of beer under their arms. Oh, maybe five, you know, yeah. the bigger, cooler, bigger boat. But my dad has all kinds of horror stories, but you know, I'm, I'm the amount of time I've been doing it is not even a fraction of other people. So I'm sure I'll have plenty of stories. <laughs> well, you might be surprised. I don't know that it seems like the, the inshore fishing kind of draws a different crowd, like you say, sure. and, um, and, and, and it's definitely more physical. 
Um, there's not like a nice air conditioned salon. There's no, <laughs> no, no shade. There's, you no. know, it's, yeah. it's not for everybody. And, yeah. um, but you, you occasionally get somebody that, that, that books a trip and they had no idea what they were getting into. They thought, I think that's the thing is they're not, they're not aware of what they're getting into. Yeah. I've had people that showed up and they were like, this is the boat. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like, yeah. yeah, this is it. This is a pretty yeah. nice boat. In fact, it's just 16 feet long. Uh, yeah. What were you expecting? And they thought, well, exactly, that one yeah. over there, they point to yeah, like we a had 50 like, footer. We had like two, a two boat group trip a couple months ago and like nine people showed up or something. We had to Ooh. call a bay boat. Yeah. You'll get occasionally stuff like that, but um, no, it's always funny when stuff like that happens. Are you booking most of your own trips? Um, I've had a lot of mainly started off with overflow, um, from good buddies of mine that have helped me out. And, um, now it's like, you know, word of mouth from like those people I got that, you know, they had some friends and they are, you know, they've kind of come down regularly. So I've been lucky enough to have a lot of people that are, you know, regularly coming down here. Um, so that's been good. So it's a lot of repeats now. And, um, this time of year, it seems like more new people, I guess, cause you get different people coming down for Christmas and stuff like that, but. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right, man. Well, Paul, I appreciate you doing this with me and, uh, I hope that we'll get to fish together again soon. I enjoyed sure, fishing with yeah, you last time. So. Yeah, no, I really enjoyed it too. Um, thanks for having me on here. Absolutely. And, uh, good luck in school, man. Finish that up. Thank you. A lot of respect yeah. for you to, to do that when you got a paying gig that uh, is, I appreciate is, is, it. is a, you know, basically a lot of people asked me when I was going to get a real job, but later I found out that I was making more than they were. And yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a it lot of work like, too. Yeah. Well, it's a lot of work, but I mean, but you know, you're going to school and you're getting paid and it would be really easy just to say, you know what? I could just get paid all the time. And, yeah. and, but you know, as somebody that's, that's older and hopefully wiser, you're doing exactly the right thing because you never, you I never know, it. you never know what's going to happen. Yep. Man. And, and you that's got that sure. in your back pocket and that's definitely a very, um, a very good thing that I would recommend to anyone. But, uh, but you're, you're, uh, you're doing awesome, man. It's nice to, uh, to have you on here and I really, uh, love fishing with you. So we'll do it again. Yeah. All right. If people want to, um, go fishing with you, follow you, do whatever, what do they do? Uh, we're at no website right now, but you can call my, if you follow me on Instagram, I got my number on there and trying to get a website up here soon. So hopefully I'll get that going, but Instagram is the best way right now. Cause it's got my number on there and, uh, that, that should be good enough. Okay. All right. Call him Paul Ross on Instagram. I think it's underscore, underscore, Paul, underscore, underscore Ross, or I don't know. It's some combination of that. But if you find his uh, Instagram, it will have a lot of fish on it and not much else. So that <laughs> yep, that's, that's right. how you'll know you found the right one. All right, Paul, man. Thanks. I appreciate it. Good luck to you. And we will talk to you soon. Thanks, Tom.